cars today are evolving into computers on wheels and the cockpits have gone digital, are going digital. What works and what doesn't? Joining us from Umlaut, an advisory and engineering services company, is digital cockpit lead Navid Farouz. Thanks for taking the time, Navid. Pleasure to appear here. Thanks for having me. Well, you are out with a new white paper titled The Next in Vehicle Experience, Connected Digital Cockpit. Give us an overview of how this is evolving. Yeah, so the white paper is a first part of a series. Um, the first edition introduces what is the digital cockpit and how has Umlaut identified key areas for car makers to evolve. And that's basically a testament to where our engineering and consulting services have come in and how the cockpit should actually be a part of the whole consumer device ecosystem. So describe for us, for our listeners and viewers, what a digital cockpit is. What are you, you're not just talking about a, a speedometer that's, that's digital instead of the old uh, needle. Right, so you said that correctly. Traditionally, we would look at the cockpit uh, as being part of an instrument cluster and you have your classic audio system, navigation perhaps, these are all fragmented individual parts. Now the digital cockpit has seamlessly unified these as what we call in the industry, A surface. So in the car, you have the A pillars, which is the first pillar in the windshield. And the A surface is everything that's under there facing the consumer. Well, describe for us, some of these are in existence today. Where are we seeing them? Most recently, um, we have Cadillac Escalade. Their SUVs have transformed uh, from traditional LCD displays to plastic OLED displays that are curved, seamlessly integrated multiple displays to make them look like one big surface, all connected to the internet, Wi-Fi capabilities, remote connectivity. We have Daimler who have decided to introduce an A surface, a one unified surface where the consumer shouldn't need to go and look after menu items and be distracted. And then obviously one of the leaders, BMW, who has done a fantastic integration with connectivity in their latest um, vehicles, which is available actually at an Umlaut benchmark test we have done and published on our website. You know, some, some of the uh, examples that, that I've seen out there, that, for instance, look like tablets, the Tesla and, and other vehicles are taking that approach too. They just look like a, a tablet, which is sticking out sometimes from, from the console. Right, so that's a very important point. They're popular car makers, uh, as you said, Tesla, famous popular brand. But I think traditional car makers look at the cockpit design a little bit differently, as opposed to placing a tablet, as you said it, um, on a cockpit versus integrating that functionality in the overall design of the car. So the aerodynamics in the car, the comfort, the safety for potential head impacts, integration versus just adding on top is a different design approach. And we will see more of that going forward in the future. Interesting. So you mentioned this. Is there a danger that these big screens, which is, I guess, what they are, even when they span across the, the, the width of the vehicle, uh, can they create more of a distraction and make us less safe? So that's the big challenge that we're uh, trying to help car makers to overcome. At Umlaut, we have engineers who are looking at 
mechanical integration aspects, software integration safety, and the overall strategy and how to make it safe while less distracting. So we don't want to add more technology, make it more complex. It should be your eyes are focused on the road, what can help you perhaps a head-ups display. Your uh, artificial intelligence will tell you where the next turn prediction will be, how traffic changes, you not having to look at the navigation so much. So these are some of the areas we try to help car makers and actually have successfully completed helping car makers, avoiding distraction in the car, make it more fun and really focus on what driving is all about, getting to your destination and, and enjoy it. Can it make it a little more con confusing for consumers sometimes if they're getting into a new vehicle, whether they're purchasing one, renting one, driving a friend's vehicle? Because even today, I mean, uh, you, you get into a vehicle, uh, how do I turn the headlights on or how do I turn the windshield wipers on? It's, it's not the same as my car. Is this going to make things more or less complicated for us? So that's a common um, issue we face when introducing new technologies to the car. Um, I myself see myself as pretty tech savvy, but I got a new car recently and I sat in it and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stuff to learn. There is still a learning curve in the beginning for both consumers and car makers, but our objective as um at Umlaut is really to help reduce that learning, learning curve and mitigate in advance how technology can help. So um, we are looking at artificial intelligence that when you get in the car, educates you what is what without you having to go and do a PhD on how to use a car. And the traditional manual that's in the car, nobody really reads that. Everybody wants instant satisfaction, instant access to things. So these are definitely points, valid points you're making. And this is something that Umlaut with our partners and, and clients are tackling to resolve. I suppose voice control could make it even easier if I'm just going to tell the car what I want done. These are some of the points of voice control and, and look at voice control combined um, with predictive AI, where you're on your regular route, you have certain patterns that how you behave in the car, personalization, and things should actually be automated as opposed to you having to do things in the car. So tell us what the role of Umlaut is here, because it would seem to, to many consumers, well, the, the car makers must have people looking at all this stuff and deciding what the best design is and what works, what doesn't work. So where yeah. does Umlaut fit in? The car makers themselves are doing a fantastic job, but sometimes it's necessary to, to have external points of views because we work with pretty much every car maker, uh, telecom companies, aerospace and engineering with other industries that are partially making it into the car. Now, car makers themselves may not have as much exposure to other industries as we do. Plus, we're bringing in experts from very high-tech advanced industries, such as smart device industries, you know, smart homes, and so forth. And those engineers have actually worked hands-on on those products and bring in those experiences to the car maker, which obviously a car maker has partially, but their focus is more on the vehicle engine design, interior, et cetera, et cetera. And, and they're, they're looking at their rivals in the car industry, not so much these other industries that you maybe have some expertise in as well. Right. So they look at their rivals, which with whom we work with, but also there is still a comparison to a smartphone and a smart home, uh, because part of that integration 
is being done into the car. So they want to bring that expertise also into the car. What about the cost of all this new technology uh, when you're purchasing and hopefully not, but if you have a, a mishap? Yep, that's a big challenge. So that's some of the meetings we have regularly with the key executives in the company. Um, good technology costs money, but at the same time, we're looking at consolidation. So to explain that in the car, you usually have 10, 15, 20 uh, chips, um, control units. However, there are system architectures that can consolidate that by having one powerful chip or two that can control the display, infotainment, navigation, and other things, as opposed to five to 10 chips who have to individually control each part of the car. Now that requires um, precision surgery in the car and lots of executive conviction, um, convincing executives to change from multiple, maybe more cost-effective chips to one powerful expensive chip. In the long term, it will be more cost-effective because these powerful chips last longer um, throughout the life cycle of the car. And that is one of the key problems the industry has you're buying a car that's updated and in 10 years, it's gonna be way more updated. So it's worth that investment in the beginning, but the long-term cost savings are there. Let's talk about that a little bit more because today when people go out and in, I'm gonna say invest in a phone, not just buy a phone, because some of them are real investments today. They, they still expect them only to last a, a year or two. Some people, you know, always want to have the, the latest and greatest. So tell us how this comes into play when you're building that kind of technology into a car that you want to last, I don't know, five years, six years, some people much longer than that. So scalability is the keyword here for car makers. Uh, what that means is we're looking at a car releasing with, for example, a certain type of software. Now that software at the moment with many car makers doesn't update for a year or years. And we're working with car makers at Umlaut um, by positioning software architects who have digital connectivity experience and refreshing the software every three months or pushing software updates when critically necessary. And that is a big transformation in the car industry. In terms of scalability, we are working really on the cutting edge of prototype chips with some of the biggest chip makers in the world that really forecast by the time your production vehicle is released, by that time, it's going to be the day one of a fresh new chip. And that can be optimized in terms of firmware, software updates, and keep that life cycle more up-to-date, more fresh, and not as close as smart devices, but pretty close. It's interesting. I, I, I suppose Tesla may be leading the way with the over-the-air updates or has been leading the way. And they're also, if I'm not mistaken, talking about replacing some of the chips in some computers to give them new capabilities. Is that something that car makers might do? Have a module that, okay, you can just plug this in and you're all set to go with a, a new computer in here? Right, so that approach is, is the ultimate goal. However, car makers uh, are, are careful about being involved in the aftermarket business and the chip business and so forth. 
Now, um, that vision exists. Is it that they want me to come in and buy a new one? Is that <laughs> partially? Well, you never know. But then again, you have your PC uh, that's upgradable. You can put a new graphics card in there, RAM upgrades. So technically, um, that could be possible, but it's a very complex economy behind it. Really interesting stuff that you're working on. I'm sure you get to see a lot of a lot of futuristic fun things that that are on the way. Is there anything that excites you most? Yeah, what excites me most um, would be if we get classic old timer looking cars with real high tech integration that doesn't take away from the driving experience as much. So a, a digital display that emulates the old time dashboard kind of thing? Right, right. And also um, some of the exciting things we're working on is integration of 5G technology where I'm no longer behind the speed of my mobile phone. I get streaming instant access in the car while that's, that might sound the average product to consumers today, in the car, it's a challenge because they're moving at ultra high speeds in different areas of the country to keep that stable and really have your AI available at all times, stream the right content, get the virtual updates on navigation and have that comfort constantly available. That's something that we are very excited about. Yeah, you'd have to have uh, ubiquitous uh, 5G signals out there, right? For that to really work. Right, it requires the whole ecosystem to be on board. Interesting. Is there a place where people can go to for more information about the, the work that you're doing there? On our website, uh, umlaut.com, uh, you'll find a couple of white papers for digital cockpit benchmarking and also regular updates on some of the greatest client work we're working on. And it's U-M-L-A-U-T. Navid Farouz, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thanks very much for having me. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio. And that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC Skywave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.